loves me, says the Lord. I'll rescue him. I'll protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He'll call upon me, and I'll answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him and honor him, and with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. God, would your word, would your word demonstrate its power and its truth in our circumstance? God, it's, it's much easier to surrender to someone who I believe wants what's best for me. Help us to recognize just how good you are, how faithful you are, how much you love us, how much you care. Help us to realize we can't out-care the God of the universe. You built in us our capacity to care. You designed it in us, and so how... Who are we to think we care more than you care? Who are we to think we're concerned or capable more than you're concerned or capable? God, may may this year begin with us simply surrendering and saying we trust you. God, the year can take us all kinds of different places, all kinds of different directions, things we never could have even imagined. But our trust and hope is in you. Come on, some people trust in chariots. Some people trust God in, in, in the wealth and in their, in their wisdom. Some, some would trust in, in so many things, but Lord, we trust in you. You're our rock. You're our hope. You're the anchor of our soul. I just pray you'd recalibrate us this morning. Help us to point our compass towards north. Help us to not desire the things of this world more than you. Help us not to ever substitute or try to try to somehow shortcut the process that you put us in to define and create in us what what you've designed us to be help us to remember we're your craftsmanship your workmanship your masterpiece we're created in christ for good to do good things that you've prepared in advance for us to do you already laid out for us you've designed us none of us in here are an accident our 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 Existence, our skill set, our intelligence, our looks, our hairline for some reason. None of that's an accident. You designed us. You intended us to be here. Help us to recognize that you are the good Father. If we ask for bread, you're not going to give us a stone. If you take care of the birds, you'll take care of us. So we trust you. We put our hope in you. We just want to say this morning that we love you back. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Whoo! Yeah, you can give the Lord a hand. You feel like you're at church yet? Whoo! Why don't you turn, hug someone as hard as you can. I want to hear something pop. When something pops, you can be seated. Good morning, everybody. Did you guys have a good New Year's Eve? New Year? I slept this New Year's Eve. We didn't have a youth event here uh, on New Year's Eve. It was the first time in a few years, and I actually got to sleep. So I was really excited about that. Um, the next day, New Year's Day, we went tubing with the youth up at Snoqualmie uh, Summit, and it was really fun. This is how I know I'm getting older. My favorite part was hooking my tube onto the lift that takes you up the hill and just relaxing and enjoying the quiet ride up the hill. Going down was really fun, too, but I enjoyed the up part. My son, my five-year-old son, Joshua, was with me, so I had to, like, lug him up the hill when I walked so the tube that pulled much nicer. I have a few announcements for you guys. Um, Yoga Faith has begun again. It is on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. It's the first and third Saturday of the month. So the next one that will be here is on Saturday, January 16th. There is child care for donations. Um, So that's Yoga Faith. Dana, are you in the room? She's upstairs. Dana is upstairs at the children's kiosk. If you have questions about that, you can find her up there and ask her. We are relaunching a program called Instay. Instay is awesome. It is a discipleship training and ministry slash leadership preparation uh, 
it really is an academic study, but it's in a small group environment so that you get the very relational element of that. So if you're someone who has thought, man, I want to learn more about being a disciple of Jesus, or I have a passion in my heart to pursue more for, for ministry or for leadership in ministry, uh, INSTE is an awesome opportunity for that. We are beginning two classes, beginning level one in February, at the beginning of February. Casey and Phil, would you guys raise your hands? Casey and Phil will be teaching. And I don't, is Crystal in the room? You can, Crystal's right there. Hi, Crystal. You can see them if you have questions about INSTE. Great program. I highly recommend it. Beginning February, it's going to be on Tuesdays, Thursdays. Thursday, there's a morning class and an evening class. So anyone who wants to should be able to find one of those options that works. I want to let you guys know we still have youth group. We took a two-week break for Wednesday nights. We did a couple of fun events, but we're starting up again Wednesday, 6.30 to 8. So if you have teenagers or anyone in the 6th grade to 12th grade age range, they can come hang out with us here Wednesday nights. Super fun. And we pursue God. And it's been really cool to watch. In the last few months, I've seen a flip in the students where they are really hungry for something more. And I'm really, really excited about that. And lastly, Freezing Nights, it's an awesome ministry we have at the church. Um, the homeless in our community come in, they get a warm bed for the night, and they get some warm meals. This Monday night, we are hosting that here. So when you leave today, before you go, if you have a few moments, if you would just help us stack some chairs. There will be some directions given at that point in time, but I just want to make sure everyone's aware that we'd love for you to help if you're able with stacking those chairs. I'm going to go ahead and have our ushers come forward. We're going to take our offering. We, different people, uh, take different emphases on why we give. At Celebration Center, the reason we give is because we believe in the mission that God has called us to and that we are really excited to partner with God in advancing his kingdom. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and pray for this offering, and then we will pass that around. Jesus, you are good, and we love your mission. We love your kingdom. We love who you are and what you're for. Thank you, God, that you are for us and you are not against us. And because of that, we say yes to you, and we want to join you in what you're doing, and we want to advance your kingdom, because your kingdom is incredible. So would you bless this offering, God, and use it to further your kingdom in us and in this community and in every place that we touch? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I have a short video for you guys to help introduce this next series that we're going to be jumping into. I got a... Got a big butt. It's gigantic. I'm going to be blunt about it. And you know what? The funny thing is, I got several big butts. And, and, and before you before you discard me or, or wince at the disgusting notion of that, I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest that possibly you have at least one big butt as well. Yeah, you like that? Hurts a little, huh? Let me tell you something. Let me just tell you something, okay? Everybody we know has a big butt. And more often than not, it's the thing that actually gets in the way of us living a consistent life for Jesus. I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to expound a little bit, okay? See if you can recognize some of these butts. But I have to work more. But my favorite TV show is on. But my kids have practice. But i got to tweet something. But it's such a beautiful day. But I'm just not in the mood. But I deserve a break today. You see, everything kind of interferes with my life of, of just living an authentic life for God, okay? And more often than not, it always has something to do with some sort of butt, okay? Even the littlest of butt can distract me. It really can. The littlest butt can make me think, well, oh, I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to think about it today. I'm not going to deny myself. I'm not going to read the Bible, blah, blah, blah. Whatever God asks me to do, I seem to have a butt for it and get away, okay? And the most horrendously big butt of all time is the butt that gets in the way of me just hanging out with God and reading his word true. Think about it. All the times you're about to open that, and all of a sudden a big giant butt gets in the way. A butt, much like one of these. But I got a farm bill, but I'm tired, but the game's over, but I read last Tuesday, but I got to check Facebook, but I don't like Leviticus, but it's too hot in here, but I, I just don't like books, but I don't understand it, but it's boring. But what does that have to do with me in the 21st century? Those are some ugly butts, people. So call them what they are, ugly, ugly butts. Okay, and there's a lot more to them, sad but true. Here's a list, although not exhaustive, of some of the most popular butts known to mankind. But I don't have enough money yet. But others will think that I'm a nerd if I carry the Bible. But they won't like me if I talk about Jesus. But I don't know if God will do what I ask. But I just can't get motivated. But I'm afraid. But I don't have all the answers. But the small group is the same night as Monday Night Football. But can I just let my life speak for itself? But I'm not happy. That's not my gift. That's the pastor's job. But I don't know how to pray. But I can't believe that. But I don't know where to start. But everybody else is having fun. Butts abound, friends. But, 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 here a but, there a but, everywhere, 
a butt butt, okay? And, and, and the most overused butt of all time, but I just don't have enough time. Really? Oh, come on. We have a lot of butts. God has given us a real simple word, okay? If we learn it and we share it and we teach it and we live by it, then see, God gets glorified, people benefit, and then we get blessed. That's why we do what we do. That's the why behind the butt, okay? And ultimately, that's the whole point I'm trying to make here, my fellow butt lovers, is if your butt is bigger than your why, then your butt's too big. Okay, it's time to, metaphorically speaking, snap into a swim gym. Okay, let's slap on some spiritual shape-ups and hit the road a little bit so we can just manage the butts a little bit. That's all we're trying to do. That's what we're talking about. Let's minimize the excuses. Let's shrink the butts. Shrink the butts. Say it with me. Shrink the butts. That's what we need to do. And you and I can do that together. We can conquer this. You and I can do it. We start today, okay? I know we can. Let's just do it. No ifs, ands, or... Yeah. Now you can get it. Wow. Just wow. We're going to test your sense of humor this morning. See, uh, if you haven't left the room, I'm in good shape. If you have, just send me the email. It's fine. (laughs) Well, Happy New Year. I'm so excited to be here with you all and uh, to get going into this series of uh, Upgrade. It's it's really cool. I was sharing this morning with just our worship team. It was so cool. Uh, My family and I, after the Christmas Eve service, we did Christmas morning, and then we drove down to Northern California to see family down there. And It's now officially a two-day drive to get down there um, because we're farther north uh, than we used to be. And uh, we jammed down there, and we saw everybody as fast as we could. We were down there about three and a half days, and then we worked our way back uh, up here. And something happened for the first time. Uh, first of all, for the first time, I made it through Portland with no traffic. So that was amazing, right? I know. So it, was, it was amazing. It was a new year. It was New Year's Day. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. The water's parted. Like Moses was there with his staff. And we just drove over the bridge. It was not a big deal. But anyways, I got over the bridge. And my family was all asleep because everybody was wi- uh, wiped out. And we're, you know, we're cruising through maybe somewhere around Kelso or, or whatever that area is down there. And uh, I realized something. For the first time, I was driving here and I was driving home. It was, the, it was the first time. And I just thought, how cool, Lord, it is for you to just take our family and help us to be home in this family. And so I missed you guys, uh, believe it or not. And, uh, and it was awesome to just think about coming and being home again. And uh, then we got home and everything was a mess and crazy. And I was like, ah, oh, we need to leave again. But uh, <laughs> that's just life with three kids in the holidays, right? But uh, so it's great to be here and to be home. And I was excited because I am excited about this series um, as we dive in uh, to this idea of upgrading. And it's the thing we do at the beginning of every new year. We take a look at things and we evaluate them. And uh, I use this terminology. We decide what things we need to upgrade, right? For some of you, you're thinking, this is the year I'm going to upgrade my car. Right? I'm going to upgrade my car. I'm going to get that car that I always wanted. This is the year I'm going to upgrade my finances. I'm going to uh, get out of debt or, or get more stashed away. Or This is the year I'm going to upgrade my physique. Right? I'm going to, I'm going to get that washboard back and, and uh, you know, just uh, – nah, there's too many ways to go with that. I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> I was going to say you know, we're going to work on the six-pack, six but, uh, but we won't do that. I, I, whatever it is, we decide this is the year we're going to upgrade. We're going to do better, and this is the time when we think about it. So we're walking into this series about upgrading, and I was thinking about this, this funny video because we always have a reason to not do something. Isn't it always easy to make a reason to not do the thing we want to do? Habits are tough. They're tough to start, and they're even tougher to quit. When, uh, when I first started uh, – uh, I'm going to go too far. Let me talk first about the series. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some different uh, areas that we can upgrade. And uh, I'm going to take kind of like a physical fitness approach to that. So today we're going to talk about upgrading your diet. But spiritually, we're going to talk about upgrading your diet. Now, nobody likes to talk about upgrading their diet because that's not fun at all. Uh, I want to eat things that taste good. And so uh, that is really all I really care about. But we're going to talk today about upgrading our diet. And then next week, we're going to talk about upgrading our lifting. But we're going to be lifting our prayers. Come on now. Come on now. You guys with me now, right? So today we're going to do that. Then we're going to upgrade our cardio. We're going to talk about our hearts and how we take care of our hearts. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to have some fun, and we're going to talk about upgrading. Maybe I'll get some of you guys up here to uh, demonstrate some of our exercises uh, that, and how we do that, and that'll be fun. You know it'll be really cool? Maybe I'll get a uh, treadmill out here and see if one of you can run for the whole time that I talk. i got a few runners in here, right? And I can talk for a long time. So we'll see, uh, we'll see if you guys can manage, if someone can manage that for me. That would be really fun to do. But this is the time of the year when we do some of those things. And, and so I, I've been thinking about my resolutions 
and what I want to do this year. It's a new year. I'm in a new place. And I've been thinking a lot about this idea of taking things to the next level. How am I going to take things to the next level? How am I going to take my relationship with Jesus to the next level? How am I going to take my, my, uh, my endeavors to the next level? What is that going to be? And so I started thinking about next level moments, those moments that, that you kind of recognize, what is it going to take to get there? And I had a next level moment about, man, about nine or ten years ago, and it was, it was amazing. I remember this, this uh, season of my life, I'll just call it that, and I had been doing ministry. I was a licensed pastor at this time, and I'd been doing ministry for a while. And I was realizing that I had kind of, in my career, in my life, had kind of hit a plateau. Anyone ever feel like they hit a plateau? Things aren't going anywhere. We're just doing the same thing over and over again, just waiting to get older and then eventually die, and then hopefully someone else can. Right? I was feeling that way. And I don't know. I was probably only about 26 years old, but, you know, hopefully I lived beyond 52. But I felt like that was like a midlife crisis moment for me, right? I was about 26, and I was like, why? Why, God? Why? And, and um, can, I, can we be honest a little bit here? I was looking around at some of other guys that were out there who were doing similar things to me and seemed to be more successful in my eyes. And I was playing the comparison game. Ever play the comparison game? Look over at your neighbor's house and you're like, oh, I wish I had a new boat in front of my house. Oh, I wish my car looked like their car. I wish my physique looked like their physique. No, no, okay. I won't say, yeah, I won't go there, right? But I was playing the comparison game. Maybe your coworkers and you go, ah, oh, that guy moved up faster than I moved up. That guy did more or got was, was entrusted with more. That guy has more financial margin than I have. And I was doing that. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I was really angry. I was like, God, how much more will it take, right? What else do I have to do for you to entrust me for more? To ex- and I was having a me moment, okay? I'm just being honest with you. You're like, wow, this pastor's really, you know, pastor, you're really, you know, self Yeah, I was pretty self-centered. I'm just telling you, I was, I was having a me moment. If you've never had a me moment, you know, someday you will, and you'll remember that I had one, and you'll think, oh, okay, this is normal. We have this kind of moments, right? So I was having a me moment. I was talking to Jesus, and I was like, seriously, God, I'm going round and round in circles, and I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. What's going on? I was so frustrated. I couldn't sit at my desk. It was freezing cold. It was the winter, so it was probably close to New Year's. Um, I was in Spokane, and I walked outside of the building, and I started just marching around the building, like having an angry conversation with God, right? I'm just marching around. I'm like, God, I don't understand. You know, pouting a little bit. You know, usually you get that way. I'm just, I don't understand. Why, you know, why aren't things happening, you know, spiritually? Why aren't things happening like, like it's happening for so-and-so? Or, or numerically, why aren't things happening like it's happening for, for somebody else? And, I, and, I, and I'm playing this, you know, awful comparison game. Now, one of these days we'll talk just about the comparison trap and how that's so dangerous. But, but that's what I was doing for myself. And I remember just thinking, you know, God, I... I I'm willing to, with an attitude, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get to the next level, so why don't I know what to do? You know? And I was, why isn't it working out? And I'm, and I'm pent up, and I'm frustrated, and, and, then, and, and I'm having this moment with God. You, none of you pray like that with God? All right, okay. Everybody's like not making eye contact or making really solid eye contact. Like, don't look at me. But, but, uh, but I, I was having one of those moments. So as I was having that moment, I remember just distinctly going like, that's it. I got nothing else to say. It was like I had said my piece, you know. And, the, and there's this. This, this kind of calm moment kind of came over me, and I was like, okay, do you have anything to say about that, God? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Some of you have been in, like, Christian conversations with your spouse, and you're like, and you said everything you need to say, and they're like, okay, now what are you going to say? You know, right? You're having that kind of moment, and I'm having that moment with God, and I'm like, so what, what do you have to say about that? And I'll never forget when I quieted my spirit a little bit. And God doesn't always speak to me the same way and i don't know how he speaks to you someday we'll talk a lot about how god speaks in mysterious ways throughout the scripture sometimes he uses a burning bush sometimes he uses wind sometimes he you know writes on a wall with a finger i mean he could write he can speak any way he wants to speak all right any way he wants needs to to get your attention but i'm i'm in my still quiet voice trying to listen to god and i can just remember as clear as day mike are you faithful in the little things and i was like what seriously mike are you faithful in the little things? And then there was just like a break. And I remembered Luke sixteen ten, whoever can be trusted with little can be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. And I, and I just connected the dots that the level that God had entrusted me with, the foundation of what he was entrusting me with, it could only grow as wide as my faithfulness in the little things. And I thought, wow, when's the last time I just got into the Word just to spend time with Jesus? Not because I was preaching multiple times a week, not to just put together messages. When was the last time I just prayed 
because I wanted to be close to God, not because I needed something or someone else needed something or something. And I was like, wow, when was the last time I really just checked my heart? How did my heart get here, right? I had stopped checking my heart a long time ago for my heart to get here. And I just remember, I think, and it was like a breakthrough moment. And it wasn't about comparing to anybody else. It was, Mike, have you been faithful in the little things? Because if you're not faithful in the little things, I can't entrust you with more things. And I was like, wow. It was like a I went into my office. I, you know, I'm not a big crier, but I may have cried a little bit. I got online, and I ordered a, a devotional journal right right then in that moment. And I said, okay, God, from this point on, I'm going to figure out, even if I don't feel like some of these things are important, I'm going to make sure my disciplines come first because I don't want the foundation that you entrust me stuff with to ever be limited because I wasn't faithful in the little things. And so this series about upgrade is all about How do we kind of take the thermometer and stick it into our hearts and our lives and our faithfulness with some of the little things that God's entrusted us with? How do we test that out a little bit and just say, God, I want to make sure that whatever it is that you want to entrust me with, whatever it is that you pour into my life, whatever it is you hand me to be responsible with, I can I can trust that I've done the piece that you've asked me to do. And I won't be the limiting factor in how much you pour out blessing into my life. And so this morning we're going to get into this crazy principle, principle about being faithful in some of those things. And, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about where do we start. And today we're going to talk about starting right here in the Word of God. Right here in the Word of God. And, uh, you know, it's funny. A lot of times as we set out to make New Year's resolutions, we, we list things out. How many of you are New Year's resolution people? You already have like a list and you've written them down. And you, yeah, there's a few of you in here. You you can be proud of it. It's okay. There's like four of you, right? How many of you at least thought about a New Year's resolution already? But, you know, yeah. How many of the one you thought about, you're 100% sure you're not going to do it, but it felt good thinking about it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Right? I think uh, I read somewhere that 90% of New Year's resolutions are broken in the first three weeks. And so they don't last for more than three weeks. And, and that's, uh, that's just pretty true. I'm going to read you guys some of the top. Uh, this is the top ten list of resolutions that are average to the world right now. I had to Google this. And so top ten resolutions. Tell me if yours is on this list. Uh, number, number one was to lose weight. All right, that was the resolution to lose weight. That's on my list, right? Awesome. <laughs> number two, manage debt and save more. All right, that's a resolution. Number three, get a better job. Number four, spend more time with family. If that's not on your list, it needs to get on your list. I'm just telling you, put that on your list. All right. Number five, quit smoking. Quit smoking. If this is on your list and it's as low as five, move it up the list so that you can do the other one, which is spend more time with your family. Not because, you know, yeah, I said I want you to be around longer. Uh, number six, eat right, which is connected, I think, to the other one. Number seven, I like this one, upgrade your education. Upgrade your education. Number eight, I wish this was easy, reduce stress. It's going to reduce stress. That's on my resolution gift, right? <laughs> Number nine, this is an interesting one to me. I didn't realize this would be on here. I guess, you know, it is. Uh, I don't know where they took the list from, but it was go greener. Go greener, right? Reduce your carbon footprint. That's a lot of people's resolutions. Number 10, top 10 resolutions, uh, volunteer to help others, right? I don't know about you, but if it's 10th on your list, then you're probably not going to do it. You just felt good throwing it on there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but those are top ten resolutions. And here's the thing: it's hard to get going on habits. I remember I talked a little bit about my adventure selling books door to door. And and uh, when I when I was selling books door to door, I was out on the East Coast. I was uh, 18 years old, and I was uh, alone essentially on the East Coast, living in my car, trying to sell books door to door. We found a place to stay. There was a, a small group of us, and and uh, there was a thing they taught us to do. So if you've never done direct sales. I think have you ever done direct sales? You can wait. It's okay. We did. We did. I did it. Right. Right. If you've never done direct sales, it's hard to understand this. You don't. Even though you want to make money, you don't want to do direct sales. You don't want to actually talk to the next person. It's really hard, especially if you're going door to door to look at a house and like work up your courage to walk up to there, knock on the door, go through your memorized script, for, you know, pray that they don't throw rocks at you or come to the door with a gun or you know what I mean. Whatever it is, you don't really want to do it. So big part of getting into direct sales is training yourself to do things that you don't really want to do. So one of the ways that they would train us to do that is they would say, listen, in the morning, you have to get up at 6 a.m. every morning and you have to take a shower. Oh, that's normal, right? But here's the thing about that shower. You are not allowed to turn any heat on in that shower. 
you have to take an ice cold shower every morning. So when you turn that on, that's not steam coming out of the door, right? That's mist, right? Mist coming out of the door. And you've got to will yourself to get into that ice cold shower every morning. Why? Because you don't want to do it. And if you'll start your day by training yourself to walk into that ice-cold shower, it'll be less difficult to walk up to that next door and knock on the door because you've already begun your day training. It's hard to build new habits. Now, that's insane. I'm not saying that you should do that. I'm not saying there's a biblical principle behind that. I'm just telling you in direct sales that's one of the things they taught us to do. It's part of why it didn't last that long. And so <laughs> but, but that was it. And I can remember, I can remember turning the water because I was committed i remember turning the water on and watching this mist come up not seeing mist and just going oh i don't want to do this it's six in the morning i'm on the east coast i'm in norwich connecticut i don't know what i'm doing out here i got a bag full of books i don't know any of these people and i'm like step into that ice cold shower it's hard to form new habits it's hard to do things that you don't naturally want to do and so you know most uh, most uh, scientific analysis will say it takes about 21 days to form a habit 21 days. You do the same thing repetitively for 21 days, and it will become a habit. Then it's harder to break it. But until you hit 21 days, it's easy to just stop doing it. That's why most resolutions don't last three weeks, because it takes 21 days to form something into a habit. It's hard, hard, hard to change our habits. That's why this series is so important, because I want us to start this year building into our lives some good habits. And one critical one is getting into the word. Now, why, why do we need to get into the world, the word? Why is this important? And I was thinking about this. I was thinking, you know what's really true, even though we don't like to admit it? When we start our lives, we don't have all the wisdom we need to do all the things we need to do in our lives. As we start out on our journey, right, I don't have all the wisdom that I need to be a husband, I didn't start with that, all that. I had to get that wisdom somewhere. I don't have all the wisdom that I need to be a dad. I don't have all the wisdom I need to raise teenagers. I don't have teenagers yet. I don't have all the wisdom I need to manage retirement. I don't have those things. When you start any season, any journey in your life, you don't have what you need in terms of wisdom at the start of that journey. When I started a relationship with Jesus, I didn't have all the wisdom I needed to know how to manage that. Or how to live as a disciple. I didn't, so I had to gain wisdom. Just like you have to gain wisdom. So how do we gain wisdom? Well, there's a couple ways. It's pretty interesting. The Bible tells us that there's places that we can gain wisdom. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, God knew we were going to need help. He knew we were going to need wisdom. So he gave us 66 books to do that. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written, why? To teach us. So that through the endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we may have hope. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us for the fulfillment of the angels to come. That we have examples in the scriptures so that we can gain wisdom. You see, there's two ways that we gain, well, there's three ways that we gain wisdom. The first way we gain wisdom is experience. We do things. Hey, the first time I ever learned how to check an iron for heat, guess what happened? Yeah, I was ironing, and I didn't iron. Like, I didn't do any domestic things growing up. I just didn't do any of those things. And I was at a friend's uh, place crashing. We were getting ready for a wedding, and I was like, I'm going to iron my pants, right? I don't know how to do that, but I can do that. I'll figure it out. So I plugged in this iron, and I was like, how do I know the iron is hot enough? I don't know. I'll just touch it. And I took my thumb, and I just went, and then I looked at my thumb, and I went, ah. And for the whole wedding, I had a blister on my thumb. And I was like, oh, iron hot, thumb soft, touch iron, thumb hot, right? Like I had to do the I had to learn. I gained wisdom. So sometimes we learn wisdom the only way we get it is experience. Now, those of you that are raising kids, you know this is true. There's some things that a kid can only learn by doing it. And if you stop them from doing it, they don't actually learn anything. So you're like, oh, that's not going to work out. And then you watch when the thing falls and it breaks, like I told you, right? And, and it's the only way they can learn. You can try to tell them, but it just doesn't happen until they experience it. For some of us, that's the primary way that we get wisdom. Here's the problem. If we do that 
in every area of our lives, we'll be blistered, bruised, beat up, battered, uh, absolutely demolished. If we have to learn everything, if we have to learn, right, um, how do I know if the oven's hot? I know how to know how the iron's hot. Maybe I should touch that, right? How do I learn if this bat is hard, right? Oh, it's hard. No. If everything you learn is by experience only, you'll have a very small amount of wisdom and a very large amount of pain, right? Large amount of pain. Sometimes the things we have to learn by experience are things you can say to people, things you can say to people, and you're like, hey, how do I look in this? Ever had that conversation, husbands? Wisdom only takes once for you to answer that question in any other way than amazing, Right? And then you learn. So if the only way we gain wisdom is by our personal experience, we'll have battered relationships, battered flesh, battered emotions, battered everything. We do learn from experience, but that can't be the only way that we learn. The second way that we learn is from others' experience. This is a great way to learn things. As we get a little bit older, we can hear stories and learn things from other people's experience. It's awesome to learn things this way, to go, hey, they just jumped off that thing and broke their leg. I'm not going to jump off that thing because I might break my leg, right? And you learned something, and you gained wisdom, and you heard from their story. And then you have conversations with people, or you watch the news, or whatever it is. You gain from other people's experience. That's an amazing way for you to gain wisdom. You're not sore. You're not battered. Your own personal relationships don't get devastated. And you can gain wisdom. You know, all these years I've had working with teenagers, so often they're right on the cusp of where they can start learning things from other people's experiences. They don't have to do them always on their own. And you sit there and you tell them stories. You say, listen, I know that it looks like a lot of fun, but if you do this, here's story after story of a person who did and devastated their life. Please don't do it, right? Please learn from somebody else's. And you're just praying that it gets into their brains, right? But, but we can learn things from other people's experiences. That's where the scriptures become so powerful for us. That's why that Romans 15, 4 passage that I read to you says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. God said, you're going to need some help getting through life. You're going to need some help walking this journey with me. So I'm going to give you a book chock full of people's experiences so that you can gain and grow in wisdom without having to suffer the consequences of learning everything by personal experience. How kind is God? How great is he? That's why I love getting into the word. Because as we read the stories, as we get into the lives of the people, we find out they're normal people that went through normal things. That, that had to experience supernatural things. And it's so cool when it becomes, when they come off the page and we get into their lives, when you realize how hard it must have been for Noah to look at all of the people around him and say, I'm building a boat even though it's never rained before. And you learn in wisdom that sometimes I have to stand for what God's called me to do, even if it doesn't make sense to everyone else. You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about Samson. If you were here for Samson, I, I hope you enjoyed it. If not, you should go listen to that podcast. I'm going to talk about it a lot because my world got wrecked studying Samson. It messed me up learning the lessons that he learned, learning that if somehow I give, I, I give my heart away, I give my power away. Wow. Learning that, that God can redeem me. Even if I do everything wrong, he can still redeem me. He loves me enough to make my end bigger and more exciting than my beginning, even when I mess it up. Man, I learned that from Samson. I learned that experientially from him. I love as we get in here and we see all the times that people mess up. You know, what's funny, I didn't know that I could have the kind of conversation that I had with God when, when I was walking around the building all upset with him. I didn't know that was okay when I first became a believer. I didn't know it was okay I, you know, to just be honest with God and just talk to God and just say, I feel like this and I don't know what to do about it, you know, and to just process all that stuff with God. I didn't know that till I read Habakkuk. And Habakkuk says, God, why do you intolerate injustice? And then he says something amazing. He goes, and why do I have to look at it? That's an amazing comment to be in the scriptures. God, not only why do you tolerate it, why do you make me deal with it? That's, that's so amazing to know that you can approach, that you can get in the scriptures with that attitude and that it was okay. 
And then watching Habakkuk, and some of you are like, Habakkuk, what is that? Is that even in the Bible? You're making that up, right? You don't know Habakkuk's there because you haven't spent time in this book. Or you don't know his story, right? And, and at the end, Habakkuk comes to this amazing conclusion that in everything, God is still on the throne and in control. And he can still trust God even when everything around him looks unjust and unfair and unrighteous. That God's still in control. I came to that conclusion because I studied that in Habakkuk. And it changed me. And I got wisdom. And then I knew I could experience that. Some of you are like, I would never get like in, in front of my, however I pray and be like, God, why is everything awful? Why not? Habakkuk did. He got into the Bible. That's awesome. Story after story of wisdom that we gain as we look and see, okay, so even, even if God sends me somewhere I don't want to go, Jonah, right, no matter how hard I run, God has a plan that he's going to accomplish. So let's go ahead and submit before the whale eats me or the big fish, whatever it is, right? Right? I learned that from Jonah. I learned, hey, I don't want to run from God because I end up overboard. No one wants to be around me. I'm like a curse to everyone around me when I'm running from God. And I end up overboard and in the water and swallowed with some time to myself. So I don't want to learn that experientially through personal experience. I'll take Jonah's experience, thank you very much, and I'll apply it to my life and to my heart, and I'll move forward from there. You see, God cares so much about us that he gave us 66 books of stories and experiences so that we could grow in wisdom. That's amazing. We have access to that. Access to that. You know, in America, I think the average is two Bibles to every person. Two Bibles in America to every person. How many people read their Bibles? We won't tell that. We won't tell that story. But, but other places that we gain wisdom, in James, the book of James, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask. And God can provide wisdom. God, wisdom's a gift, too, that God will give. But how do I know that? Well, because I read James, because I thought about James's life and I thought about James being the brother of Jesus and what it must have been like to grown up and not be perfect and have a brother who was perfect and how frustrating that must have been. Can you imagine every time something goes wrong in the house, no one ever assumes it's Jesus who broke this lamp? There's two of you there. One of them's Jesus. Yeah, right. Jesus, what happened? Oh, you know you're getting the story right this time, right? Your brother said, well, it can't ever lie. If you ever lie, just ask Jesus. He'll give you the real story, right? That's the worst person to grow up with on the planet. Are you kidding me for a brother? That must have been so tough. And now I, I know I've said this before, but listen, James wasn't an early adapter to his brother being God. He wasn't an early adapter. There's, there's, the family didn't all come around right at once, right? Some of them were like, oh, my brother's a little crazy. He's weird. The little things are a little bit crazy. But later on, he believed so vehemently that his brother was the son of God that they threw him off a rooftop to his death because he would not deny it. I don't know what God would have to do to convince me that my brother was the son of God. But I ain't getting thrown off a rooftop for it, right? And I don't know if you have a sibling. Think about what it would take to be convinced that that sibling was the son of God. Just let that get in you for a second. I think the biggest testimony that the scriptures are true is that James wrote that Jesus was the son of God. Because there is just no way that a brother is going to believe that unless it is the truth. So James tells me, hey, you don't know how to deal with things? Ask God. He'll give you wisdom. Wow. Wow. You see, that's what the scriptures do for us. They help us. They help us know. They help us get wise. They give us experience. Everything that you go through on this earth, I'm going to just be bold and say, in some way, the scriptures will speak to that for you. They'll help you through that. God knows what we're going to go through. He had thousands of years of authors writing down the human condition so that we can know. So we could take our situation and say, God, how do we handle this and gain wisdom and experience? And it's right here in this book. For most of us, it's right here on our phone. It's literally in reach. Like 90% of our waking time 
And maybe we sleep with it even in reach too because we're so attached, right? And we got the word of God right there. And we need to grow in wisdom. We need to upgrade and get into the word. The Bible's useful. What is the Bible good for? Well, Paul tells Timothy some pretty famous lines about that. I'm going to throw them up here from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul tells him, hey, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. Verse 15 blows me away. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. That's this, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, because all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I love the picture that there's one book in all of history that God said, I'm going to breathe into this. Right? There's some good books out there. There's some great ones. I'm a fan of books. I like reading. I love, I got some favorites. I got some classics that I love. I got some devotional books that I love. I got some books that have challenged the way I think, challenged the way I've done my job, challenged the way I've parented my, they've done great things for me. But there's only one book that God said, I'm going to breathe into this so that when you experience this, when you get into this, when you let this get into you, it'll change things. It'll make you wise. It'll make you grow. It'll help you become more like me. Wow. You ever thought about how powerful that is? That God's breath is in that book, in that story. Now look at this. This is dead tree and dead cow, okay? I'm not saying that, you know, you, I, that's what it is to make this. This might not even be dead cow. I think it's cheaper than that. But, but that, this, that it's not, we don't worship that book. We understand that the scriptures point us to God, what he's like and who he is and how the people of God have interacted with him so that we can become more like God, so that we could learn, that we could grow. Jesus actually says in John chapter 6 to these guys that are experts in the book, hey, you search the book because you think in them you have life, but they point to me. Jesus, is in, he, he, he speaks us from the book. It's what God's like. It tells us who he's, what he's like. It brings us into intimacy and relationship with him. You know, there's this thing about people that we spend time with a lot. Things happen. When you spend time with people a lot, you start to get the same idiosyncrasies as they get. If they use a certain slang, you start using that same slang. Right? You have shared stories, shared experiences. Ever have that moment where you complete each other's sentences? You know where they're going. Something funny happens, and you see it, and it's funny because you had a similar experience with someone, and you look at that person because they're there with you, and you see the same thing, and someone else might not think it's funny, but you think it's funny because you've had a shared experience, and you have an inside joke with that person. Because why? You've spent time with them. You've connected. You know their voice. They know your voice. You guys are together, and you're beginning to get in harmony. You've spent time with them. That's what happens to us when we get into the book and spend time with God. We start having inside-type insight to the things that happen around us we start thinking about the things we see the way god thinks about the things we see we start talking about the things that that we experience the way god talks about them. why because we've spent time close to his voice we know what he thinks about things we see things how he thinks about them it's pretty powerful you know i was thinking about how how we get good at things i was thinking about athletes once upon a time, a million years ago, I, I wanted to be one, right? And I remember when I was playing baseball, there were certain drills that we would do over and over and over and over and over again. And there was a certain way that you had to do those drills. I, I remember working on our swing, and there was a, a series of progressions in, in your swing that you would work on. And all of these nuances, and you would do them over and over and over again, day after day after day, five days a week. It was time to do hitting calisthenics, and you start working on those things, 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 on those things until pretty soon everyone on the team had a very similar swing, a very similar-looking thing, and, they, and they, it was in uniform, and it was good. And if you saw someone with that swing, you knew that they had been on this team before 
because they had modeled that behavior, because they learned that. Now, it was the same and similar things over and over again. But because of spending time in that environment, it made you a, it, it look like the, a master. You're like, oh, you spent time with this team who's great. Maybe some of you musicians. I tried to learn guitar one time in my life. Didn't work out so well for me because as an athlete, I know how to make things like, but I don't know how to make things pretty. I can't figure it out. And so, so I'm not very good at that. But I remember I was getting lessons, you know, just little lessons. And, and it was like one time a week for an hour I would play guitar with somebody. And they, they showed me, you know, a couple of chords and a strum pattern. And I would do the same thing over again. And it wasn't pretty. It didn't work out very well. One time a week for an hour did not make me sound anything like the master. I was nowhere close. That was all the practicing I did. Now, can you imagine if that same master, imagine you got Chris over here, right? Chris is a pretty good guitar player. I was challenging him this morning to show me some scales and stuff. It was amazing, right? And Chris was able to just whip out the scales. scales. Now, can you imagine if for an hour a day I sat down with Chris and I just tried to copy scale? Scale. Some of you don't know what a scale is. I don't know what a scale is. I just asked him, and it sounded smart, and so he went with it. So maybe I said it wrong. But basically, a scale is like a, you know, do, re, mi, so, fa, so, la, ti, do, and just keep doing it over and over again, over and over and over again, over and over and over again, over and over again. And if I sat down with Chris, and every day for an hour, I just did the same thing. One day, you might walk in here, and I'd be sitting on the stage by myself, and I'd be playing. And you'd be like, oh, you sound good, right? You sound like a master. You go, oh, yeah, yeah, how'd you learn? Oh, you know, one hour a week, I just, you know, have a lesson. No, 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 yeah, you may one hour a week have a lesson, but more than that is happening, right? More than that one hour a week is happening. Something, something else is happening. There's more time being put in because you sound like a master. That's awesome. So let me take that into our word. For some of us, one hour a week, you come here, and you get to be around the word, and that's cool. That's great. And you're like, right? You got like a little rhythm and it's kind of cool. You're like, yeah. But there's a difference in someone who says, you know, one hour a day, I do my scales. I sit with the master. I learn how to play the notes. I put the work in. I work on my swing. And when you hear me play, you hear the master. When you, when you spend time with me and you ask me questions, you hear the master. When, when I'm watching the game and, you know, I get up and I cheer, what comes out of me sounds like the master. When, when you bump into me on the street, it sounds like the master. What is that? Something's different. Oh, I've just been doing my scales. It's like, yeah, I, I got that right. Dun, 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 dun. No, it's not the same thing. It's good, but it's not the same thing. You should still do that, but it's not the same thing. You need to spend some time on your scales. Right? And once I had the scales down, you could just say a song. Right? Oh, yeah, play me some whatever. Cool, I got it. Why? Because I have the fundamentals from working with the master that I can adjust to whatever the circumstance is. Otherwise, that's like, oh, I got one song. Bum, 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 bum. That's what you guys are going to take away. Pastor Mike stinks at guitar. Yes, he does. I stink at guitar the way that some of us stink at the word. I'm just saying. <laughs> Ooh, that's going to be on the podcast. Why? So the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, I was thinking, why does it say so the people of God? But I think Paul wanted it to be personal. He wanted Timothy to understand. This isn't some generic principle. This is personal. So you can be thoroughly equipped. You can personalize this. You can be thoroughly equipped. Thoroughly equipped. You can be ready. God uses the scriptures. It makes us wise. He starts right up there. So you can be wise. Verse 15, they're able to make you wise. Corrected, trained, equipped. Hmm. It's designed to help us know him. You know, it's funny. Jesus talked about how the scriptures, they make us wise. In his greatest speech, the most dialogue he ever gives in the Beatitudes, it starts in Matthew chapter 5. 
And one of these days we'll go on a series through the Beatitudes because I love them and it just wrecks my world every time I get into them and changes me because that's what the words of Jesus do to us. But in Matthew chapter 5, it's the first time, it's like Jesus' big speech, his coming out speech. You know, there's some famous speeches that if we were to say like four score and whatever years ago, right? Uh, how many years ago? Seven, thank you. I've actually ran sound, even though I don't run sound, for that show every year for seven years. So you think I would know it because that's embarrassing. Can we edit that? <laughs> right? But you know, who am I talking about? Yeah, right? Ask not what your country can. Yeah. Right? We know those big speeches. We know them, right? I have a dream. Those are big speeches. What? There's power in some of those big, epic speeches. And Jesus does one of these in Matthew chapter 5. And here's how I know it's powerful. Because the stuff that he's talking about right here, people actually change their behavior. And because people actually change their behavior, it literally changes a culture. And because it literally changes a culture, it literally changes the governmental structure that's in control. It's the downfall of Rome that people begin believing what Jesus said when Jesus says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He switches the entire paradigm. He says, when you're humble, when you're not trying to get more for yourself, but when you're trying to be humble and lift up others, you bring heaven to earth. People begin to believe him, and it changes things. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Seriously? Not hunger and thirst for more of whatever I can get, but hunger and thirst for righteousness? It literally changes the world. That's the speech that we're talking about right here. He goes on and he's blessed are the pure heart. They'll see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, it's blessed to you when you stand up for the words that I've said, because you've increased the kingdom of heaven on earth when you've done that. That's amazing. He changes things. He talks about being salt and light. He talks about how we treat our enemies. He talks about how we treat the needy. He talks about our treasures being in heaven. He talks about how to pray. He talks about what to do instead of worrying, how to trust him. He, he, he talks about judging others, and we get into that all the time. And then he summarizes it. He concludes this epic message, this epic speech. It spans Matthew 5 all the way through Matthew 7. And he says in verse 24, Therefore... Check this out. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. Now, you guys know this story, right? Some of you went to kindergarten, school, preschool, and you learned it there. Or you learned it from kids' church, or you learned it somewhere along the way, right? The, the wise man built his house upon the... Yeah, you know this, right? The foolish man built his house upon the... Right? The rains came down. You guys know the signs, right? The streams rose. The sun came up. All that good stuff, right? There, <laughs> therefore, everyone... So here's what Jesus actually said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and then puts them into practice is like a wise man. Remember, we're talking about the word makes us wise who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew. They beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I love how at the end it says when Jesus finished saying all these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the scribes or scrubs. Um, not the scribes. It's burned. Right. Not as the scribes of that time. He had authority. What was the authority? The authority was if you hear this and you do this, you will be wise. And if you're wise, it's like you built your foundation on a rock. Now, I love that the storms come to both. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about both of these guys. All they really wanted was some beachfront property, right? Where's the sand at? Right? It's by the water. They just want some beachfront property. Both of them, we have no indication of if one is a better builder than the other. It's a parable. So he's just given a metaphor, a story, right, to, uh, to illustrate a, a heavenly principle. He says that they both build houses. They both want the same kind of things. But one of them set their foundation on hearing these things 
that I've said and doing them. And when they did that, when the storms of life came, they were able to stand fast. But one of them, they had other agendas. They heard it. They didn't want to do it. So they built their life on something else. They had other things in their foundation. They had a lot of buts. Right? But I don't have time for this. But I might not be as rich as I want to be. I might not be as famous. I may not have the security that I think I need to have. Yeah, I heard those words. But if I do that, then I might not. Ouch. Jesus says, hey, you can build a house that way. You can do it. They both got their house up. It worked. The problem is when the storms came, they couldn't stand. They couldn't stand. You see, the reason we get into the word like this, the reason, reason we need to know it is it helps us grow in wisdom and it helps us know what to do. It calibrates us. It points us towards north. It helps us figure out in those tough things. You know, I said once, and, and I mean it. There's oftentimes I get into the Word, and I'm like, I don't agree with this. Right? I don't agree. But you know what I assume? I assume that God's right and I'm wrong when I don't agree. That's what I do. I say, okay, I don't agree, but I'm going to assume that God's right and I'm wrong. I'm going to start from that premise and start figuring this out. That's what I do. You know, I remember the first time the Word really, really just changed me. I was, uh, I was in summer camp. You know, we did a song today. Uh, there was the second song when the, when the answers to my questions are so far away, I lay it before you. It, it, that song, uh, you may not know this, Pastor Chris wrote that song uh, back in, I'm going to guess, 91, because that's when I heard it. Um, but I'm in summer camp. It's 1992, and I'm just meeting Jesus for the first time. And I have a Bible. It's a children's Bible, an illustrated children's Bible. It's got like a, it's yellow. It's got a lamb on the cover. It's embarrassing for an eighth grader, but it's all I got, so I brought it to camp. And I've never opened this thing at all. Like, I, I've never, I, I probably had it since I was an infant, but I, I just never opened this thing at all. And I get this Bible, and, and I'm, you know, I'm tired. It's been at, I've been at camp all week. I'm sitting on my bunk, and I look over at this Bible, and I'm like, okay, fine. Let's see if there's anything in here. And I open it up. I do the thing that we all do sometimes, you know, where I'm just like, all right, God, if you're real, talk to me. All right? <laughs> Some of you have been there. And I open it up, and I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it says love. I'm like, all right, let's figure this out. And I read this. I read, I read, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It isn't rude. It isn't self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And I just read it. That's the first thing I ever read in the Bible. And I read it, and I'm like, something's different. So I read it again. Love is patient. Love is kind. Okay? I'm not patient. I'm not kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It isn't rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily. Ooh, I'm not any of these things. God, I don't know who you are, but if you're like this, then maybe I'm interested. And it was the Bible. It was the word of God. The first time I knew anything about what God was like. Up until that mind, God was just like a police officer in the sky. If he was real at all, he was just writing tickets to people who blew it. And he was like, oh, you go to hell. You go to hell. You go to hell. You go to hell. Right? That's all I knew. That's all I knew. Right. Oh, nope. You went too fast here. Go to hell. Do not get out of jail. Do not pass it. Right? Boom. You go to hell. Like, that's all I had in my picture of who God was. I had no picture of who God was because I'd never gotten to his word before. And I read this. And I knew I had heard somewhere God is love. And I'm thinking, God is patient. God is kind. He doesn't envy. He's not proud. He's not rude. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. Are you kidding me? He doesn't delight in evil. He rejoices with the truth. He always protects. He always trusts. He always hopes. Always person. God doesn't fail. And I read it. I sat in my room. And I welled up with tears. I'm probably 14 years old. I'm in the bunk, and there's no other guys around, thank God. And I'm just sobbing, reading this. I've never read the Bible. I'm just reading this passage over and over again. He's patient. He's kind. He knows all the things I've done. He's patient with me. He knows how much I've messed up, but he's kind towards me. 
He doesn't delight in evil. He doesn't want to wreck my life. He's not happy about the horrible things that have happened. He rejoices with the truth. He wants to protect. I can trust him. I can put my hope in him. I can persevere. His patience is kind of over and over again. This is your guidance. Because I got into the world. Sometimes I think about all the promises of God that are contained in here. It's kind of like if if there was a will out there in testimony, and you were named in that will, and there were promises, guarantees to you, but you never read it, so you never got those things that you were entitled to. If if you if you knew that was there, if we were friends, and you knew there was a will out there, a testament with some promises of things you were entitled to. And you just were too busy to be bothered to read it. You know what I would tell you? Foolish. Stop building your life on the sand. Be wise. That's foolish. Yet there's promises that God's spoken thousands of years proven true. And we're not even aware that we're entitled to those things because we haven't gotten into the word and heard his voice. Are you kidding me? Like, no, 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 no. Place the hills. I wanted to spend some time just breaking out how to get in the Word each day. And there's lots of ways to do it. In your, uh, in your bulletin, if you grabbed one, I'm just going to give you a couple of quick basic tools and then we'll be done. But listen, if you're going to read the Bible, some of you are intimidated, right? But I don't understand it. But I don't know what it does. I don't, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's great. You start somewhere, right? We all started somewhere. No one started as a master. Any of us who claims to be a master is probably a fool needs to start over. But start somewhere. You just need a few things. Some of you have almost all of these things contained in an electronic device, and that's fine. But you need a Bible, right? Start with that. You don't have one, go to a hotel, steal one out of the drawer. They're happy for you to take them, right? They're happy. There's some under the chair. Take them. You're welcome to have them. You need a pen and a paper, so you can write down what God's speaking to you. So you can grow in wisdom. You need a plan of what you're going to read. If you start with just opening it up and dropping in, that's better than not doing anything. Start somewhere. But here's what happens if you do that. You'll never meet Habakkuk. You'll never meet him. Right? You'll never know his story. If you don't have a plan of how you're going to read, you won't get there. Right? So here's what I do. I, I, I have a plan. I know what I'm going to read. I sit down and I read. Then the word speaks to me. And I stop. And I write it down. There's a, a simple model. It's this soap model. I've been doing it ever since I walked around that building and got angry at myself for not being faithful in little things. I've taken breaks from time to time, but this is basically what I do. A scripture jumps out at me and I just write that scripture down. Right? Now, I'm not a big journaler. Some people are big journalers, so you just like, you got to write pages. You can write pages. If you're like, oh, I don't like this, you can just write sentences. It's fine. All right? Write the scripture down. Observation. Pretty basic. What does this scripture mean? And what is it speaking to me, right? Application. What do I have to do because of what this scripture says, right? If it's speaking to me, I probably have to do something. Prayer. Pretty simple. God, help me figure this out. Right? However you talk to God. And here's what's cool. You start doing this, and because the Holy Spirit knows what you need before you need it, you'll find something will jump out at you. And you'll read it, and you'll go, okay, love is patient, love is kind, doesn't matter, that's good. And then the next week, you'll be in a situation. And your love will get tested. Because the Spirit knows what you need before you need it, you'll come back to, oh, I wasn't very patient. I was rude. I was self-seeking. Ooh, I was easily angered. Ah! Anybody, right? And you'll come back and you'll go, oh, that's why I needed to hear that, God. Because I was going to blow it. You knew I was going to blow it. Now i got to go back and i got to make this right. Thanks for speaking to me. Thanks for making me wise. Thanks for helping me become more like you. And that's the power that's there in the Word of God. So here's my challenge. Because I know it takes 21 days to form a habit. Would you go on a 21-day journey with me and giving this a shot? 
Get a Bible, get a pen. Maybe you don't do it exactly how I do. That's fine. But you get into the Word every day. Set aside. When should I do it? I'm busy. Yeah, great. We're all busy. Do it when you're at your best. When are you at your best? Do it then. If you're a morning person, do it in the morning. If you can't function in the morning, don't do it in the morning. Be free. Do it at night. It's fine. But spend some time for 21 days. Fix your diet a little bit. Come on now. Your intake, right? Everything else is getting in. Is this getting in? Let it change you. See if God doesn't show up. See if the Holy Spirit doesn't quicken things to your heart. See if the Word of God doesn't do what it says it can do and transform your heart and life. See if Jesus doesn't come alive on the pages to you. If he doesn't speak to your heart and to your life. Because he says you search them because you think in them you have life, but they speak of me. See if your relationship with him, if you can't hear his voice as you see who he is in the scriptures. See if the breath of God doesn't change you. Imagine what it would look like, Celebration Center, let's do some family stuff here, if in this church we got into the Word of God, we fed ourselves, we didn't just go, but we were studying the Master. Like, oh, it's repetitive, it's every day. Yes, that's how you get good. That's how you become a disciple. That's how you sound like like these guys sound when they come up on the stage. And you know, it's how they got there. They put the work in. You want your Christian walk to reflect Jesus? You got to spend time with Him. Can you imagine the difference that that would make in our families? Just our families. If we did that, do you imagine how it would change our relationship with our spouse? If that was a primary thing we could talk about. Hey, what did God speak to you today? Can you imagine how it changed how we raise our kids? Can you imagine how it changed how we interacted with our neighbors? Oh. Can you imagine what God would do if we had the wisdom of this book in us every day? God, thanks for loving us. Thanks for being the foundation of our lives. God, thanks that even though we know storms are going to come, they come on the just and the unjust. We know that the world's going to bring those things. We can build our lives on something greater. On your word, we can be wise. And when we do that, we can hold fast in every situation. Yeah, things are tough right now, but I know the promise of God. I know that you, you, you want something better for me than I even want for myself. So I put my trust in you. Thanks for 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 giving us this book, for breathing into it life that for thousands of years has transformed the planet. It's a miracle and it's amazing. Help us to never take it for granted. Help us, Lord, not to carry it electronically in our pocket, but to carry it literally in our hearts. Your word, I pray it would change us. Help us to upgrade, God. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, be encouraged. Start somewhere, start anywhere, but upgrade. See what God would do. Amen? Amen. You can stand, give someone a high five. God bless you. Um, If you're able to help us put some chairs aside so uh, we can get ready for our uh, Freezing Nights ministry, that'd be amazing. Thank you. Stacks of five.